it's very important to know that the number of doses we have is limited compared to the size and the need. We need 600 million doses. Everybody needs to get two shots of the vaccine. It's going to take a while, a few months, before we are able to produce enough vaccine to immunize the full population. Dr. How do you say it? Shivago. Slavivago. With three R's. <laughs> oh, first, first name's Monsef? That's pretty sweet. Um, yeah, hang on a second. I remember he, how to he, pronounce his name. But he's I'm... making the point that it normally takes a quarter of a century, often, to get one of these vaccines through. And this has taken 10 months, which is really quite extraordinary. It uh, is amazing. It's an incredible scientific achievement. Here's uh, Dr. Fauci sharing something similar. It was purely remarkable advances in science to allow us to do things in days to weeks that we used to take months to years. Okay, what I want to know is, and somebody needs to nail this down, how much of it was just, you know, we got lucky with a couple of discoveries here and there and that sort of thing, but how much was tearing down the bureaucracy of government, uh, big corporations, all this stuff, and saying, okay, we got to get serious here. We can't do the usual effing around. Um, we we got to get to the, the you know to the nut of this, and that we could always do that. Yeah, uh, yeah, we might not always want to. My understanding of it is the major factors were number one, the vaccine efforts were always at the front of the line. Their form always got stuck on top of the stack. So the okay, red so tape, in terms of red tape and bureaucracy, that, so that part of that hyperspeed part of that would not you wouldn't always want to be the case because you don't want the latest. You know, get rid of your lip blister medicine to get ahead of an AIDS vaccine or whatever it is. You know? Right, right. And the second aspect of it, well, there are a couple, were that the federal government said, as soon as this starts looking good, as soon as you're, you can tell us, yeah, we think it's going to work, we'll put in a guaranteed order for 500 million doses. So you're taking virtually no financial risk in this enormous effort. And and thirdly, we'll hold you harmless for liability once we approve this. Um, so if you're nervous about how quickly this is moving, um, and, and I don't think they are, honestly, uh, we'll, we'll remove that risk. So, yeah, it was, it, it was more than a moonshot mission. It was more like a uh, grab your guns and get into the streets. The enemy is at our shores mission. It was just everything was canceled to focus on this. Hmm. Yeah, the, the ramping up of production while the trials were still going on, from my understanding, is one of the biggest changes. Normally, oh, the, it's unprecedented. Yeah, the, the, the production aspect of this wouldn't happen until like the end of next year, maybe. Right, and that's under incredibly fast. If this, if the, and if this had happened with Obama as president, it would be he'd be getting awards left and right, oh, and yeah, accolades, please, and everything. Worshipped like as a god. Trump is left out of the conversation of all this and, happening. And, yes. and just one more layer of it to build the infrastructure for delivery, like it's been built before approvals. Uh, is unprecedented, too. And that's another, uh, you know, out into the streets with your guns type measure. You had a point, Michael? I'm waiting to see how many people will have to be vaccinated before governors say, okay, it's safe now. In other words, if we have 50% that have been vaccinated, are they going to just hold on to the control and say, that's not enough, I need 80%, and then I'll unlock Well, I'm about to get to a, a tweet that might speak to that a little bit, since there's so little science involved in a lot of these decisions. But the fact that they need to get 600 million doses, since we all need to get two shots, a lot of us are going to get pretty sick after the first shot. Boy, if you start, 
when people start hearing about their, you know, Uncle Bill or a person they work in a cubicle next door or whatever, getting really, really sick from the shot, that's not going to make you hurry to go get your shot. Yeah, I've heard it's the second one that's nasty, but uh, whatever. I mean, because it's going to be rolled out in waves and we'll get plenty of information on both shots from around the country. So, uh, well, the New York Times headline on all of it was good news about vaccines. Um, Experts say the coming months will be, quote, just horrible. That's good to know. Well, at least we know what to expect. Just horrible. But on the politics of it, so in um, L.A. County has is about as restrictive as anywhere in the country right now. And then the whole state of California, the rumor is going to go to uh, the, the full stay-at-home order like we all lived with months ago. Going to go back to that again any minute, really. Could get announced. They got an example here of a, a bravery brewing in L.A. County had spent $100,000 to comply with the county regulations to make sure that the county health person was happy enough that they could be open and try to make a living in the land of the free. Try to feed their employees. And they changed the rules again, all for nothing, as restaurant breweries can only serve takeout, no outdoor, no indoor or outdoor dining until next year. Now is probably a good time to mention that Supervisor, L.A. County Supervisor Sheila Cool. I'm going to pronounce it Sheila Cruel. That's hours, excellent. That's good stuff right there. Thank you. That's why I'm a professional. Uh, hours after she delivered an impassioned speech in which she said, this is a serious health emergency. We need to take it seriously. These servers are not protected from us. They're not protected from their other tables. Plus the hours they're working, we need to shut down outdoor dining. Hours later, she was dining outdoors at a restaurant. Unfriggin' believable. Well, and more from that very meeting where they made those decisions. So Bill Meligen, Meligen of with uh, with Fox LA is doing really good work on this. You should follow his Twitter thread. But this is what he tweeted out being at that meeting. And this is happening all around the country, these sorts of decisions being made. A summary of what we just heard from the L.A. County Department of Public Health. One, they have no data or numbers tying outdoor dining to a surge in cases in L.A. Wow. And two, they based the decision off a national CDC study that didn't discern between indoor or outdoor dining. But they said it's the best info we have. Good Lord. So we're depriving people of their economic freedom based on that? Yeah. Land of the free my ass. Isn't that Folks, incredible? we got to rise up against that. They, the only data they have on the spread of the virus comes from a study that included indoor, and we don't know how much outdoor. We don't really know the difference, but we're going to close outdoor, too. Why not? <sighs> how does this even happen in the United States of America? If you've got no... I, I need to get... A, a, Tim the lawyer would be good to talk. I, I need to some freedom person... That has been saying, look, the government in emergencies like this since revolutionary times has had the ability in a pandemic to blah, blah, blah. But don't you have to have some data to back this up? Do you get to just because you assume it might spread outdoors, close down outdoor dining and make it impossible for somebody to make a living? We're letting half bright, hypocritical Community organizers who happen to get elected to the county council or wherever it's your city council or your state board of what sits, depending on where you're listening. We're letting those people veto fundamental constitutional rights based on little more than a whim. Uh, That's just it's astonishing to me that anybody would put up with it. Mask up, socially distance, be smart, be safe, keep your loved ones safe and go live your life. 
in the wow, way that you see fit. I'm surprised there's not more pushback against this. You know, uh, the, the, uh, are, are small government conservatives just scared of? I just think a lot of people are sheep and will do what they are told without questioning it. Uh, most people, honestly. Not y'all listening, thank God. But most people will just quietly do what they're told and never question uh, authority. I crave an excuse to do what I would do normally. I'd love to come over, but government told me I can't. <laughs> At least you're honest. I admire that. Wow, we're going to close down outdoor dining because we think it might spread the COVID virus? Sorry, you're going to lose your business. Hold on, I you will make a reservation. I'll be right Yeah, but, but I'm going to, oh yeah, and then you got to add that on top of it. As one of the people that voted for this, I'm going to go eat. Right. Outdoors right. as soon as we're done with this meeting. Uh, we're all human. We all fall short sometimes. It's just absolutely mind-blowing that this is going on. Do we have any more clips from that jackass? Gavin Newsom? The that country's worst embarrassing jackass. Now at positivity wow. rates. We're not now just looking at case rates. We are now looking in real time at, at hospitalization <laughs> numbers and ICU capacity in those regions. It will require, and we are assessing this in real time over the next day or two, to make determinations of deep purple moves uh, in those purple-tiered status uh, that is more equivalent, more in line with the stay-at-home order uh, that folks were familiar with in the beginning of this year bad, with man. modifications <laughs> in terms of the work that we are currently uh, doing. God, make him shut up. You want to see my deep purple moves? Smoke on the water. Oh, a, he's doing the thing where he puts the, the handle of the guitar way up in the air when he did that, too. That was good. <laughs> I invented that. <laughs> there was a band called Deep Purple that had that song, and that's uh, that's where that comes from. Uh, it was like, uh, what, four or five years ago? They had that <laughs> so, or uh, 50. <laughs> that particular politician there that at one time thought he was going to be president of the United States, it sounds like he has a period at the end of every word. <laughs> if you're yeah, right it. out, we're speaking. not going to <laughs> simply rest on. And what's with the, what's with the color coding now to where we have shades of the individual color? So you can go from yellow to green to yellow to orange to red, but then there's like light red, we're deep red. We're currently in a chartreuse zone. <laughs> this is maroon. Is it chartreuse or maroon? I'm not exactly sure. More of a mauve. <laughs> We're in the mauve zone. You can hug your grandmother, but you can't kiss her. <laughs> you see, here, if we move into the candy apple red, you can have a popsicle stand, but no lemonade stand. Over here is plaid. We want to stay out of the plaid zone. <laughs> We're in the plaid zone. You can go to the store, but you can't buy anything. You can go to the store. <laughs> Alfred, <laughs> bring me my bad boots. What a Alfred, dope. we're going to the French Laundry, Alfred. <laughs> Alfred, bring me my cufflinks. I'm Batman. I think the penguin is at the French Laundry. <laughs> is that why he was there? Oh, now I get it. <clears throat> All right, we got more on the way. The text line, 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. 
That's Deep Purple for the younger crowd, or the non-rock crowd, I guess. Um, it's one of the most, uh, best well-known songs in Western civilization. I don't and know if I've ever heard... it's not even nearly their best song. But. I don't know if I've ever heard past this part. Um, I know all the words. How embarrassing is that? <laughs> I love this band, though. Love uh, it. Um, if you could pull it off, this is a great karaoke, too. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, good tip, Positive Sean. Yeah. You actually need to be able to sing a little bit on this one, but it's uh, but yeah, the, the crowd the crowd is with you on this one. They'll boo cool. you on the choruses, right? And the mother. So MIT, MIT did a study about compensation and motivation. Like, if you're compensated, are you motivated to work harder? Like, you have a giant uh, pickup truck because you have a small uh, weenus, or what? What sort of compensation <laughs> are we are we talking about? <laughs> Um, no, like you get paid or vacation time or whatever. Ah, that will that, sort of compensation. Will that motivate you to work harder? Uh, something I studied briefly uh, in my brief uh, dalliance with getting an MBA back in the 80s. But um, uh, I need to explain it to you and then you explain it to me because I don't get the results. So we'll have that <laughs> coming up in a little bit. Okay, good. And one quick note. We were talking about the uh, new light rail system in Austin that passed it. It's going to be, uh, allegedly, this is so hilarious. This is so great. And this is why we've tried to warn the rest of the country about Cal Unicornian politics. It's not that you need to know what's happening in a different state because you kind of don't. But it's a warning. Don't fall for these scams. And sure enough, Austin, the liberal capital of Texas, fell for the scam. And so this giant light rail system will cost a mere $7.1 billion. It'll be completed by 2035. But our friend Dr. J points out that uh, the plan includes a downtown station that necessitates a tunnel under Lady Bird Lake through hundreds of yards of notoriously tough Texas limestone. The $7.1 billion price tag will be $25 billion by the end of the Biden administration. Enjoy that, Austin. Way to fall for the scam. Woo. Anyway, uh, I actually wanted to talk about China, uh, a couple of things this segment. Really interesting. A Chinese sociologist recently delivered remarks at a forum in Shenzhen, where he declared it was only a matter of time before China overtakes the U.S. and effectively puts an end to it. This guy, to my eternal shame and horror, is a graduate of the University of Illinois, as I am. Um, and, and some of the things he said, October 16th, at this forum, it's called the Shenzhen Wan Dialogue Forum, uh, he said, and I quote, it turns out that China is going to overtake the United States in 2027. It was said that this might be delayed for a year or two, but this year God has pulled, pulled off a little trick, right? God created COVID-19 and spread it to every country in the world. He went on to say COVID-19 is bad for Europe and America, but it is beneficial for North Korea and China in this way. Wow. Prominent Chinese academic who's tied to the government because everybody is saying COVID-19 is good for China. Well, I wonder whether that sentiment uh, had any effect on their policy. Then he points out that, heck, we have so many people. If 4,000 people died or five, it doesn't matter. It's, it's as good as no one getting sick and no one dying in terms of the good it did. In the global economy, China stands out. We are ahead of schedule in terms of taking overtaking the United States. There will be no problem reaching this goal in 2027. The U.S. will not survive. And finally, as long as 1.4 billion Chinese people eat, sleep, 
defecate and urinate every day. As long as we go to work every day, we will drive the U.S. to its death. So I can only surmise that if we can stop them from defecating somehow. And I'm not sure how that would be, but I'm working on it. <laughs> Cheese does it for me. <laughs> Tell you what, those uh, the opioids did it for me after my surgeries. Holy oh, yeah. cow. Oh, yeah. Painkillers. Oh, oh, my gosh. Terrible. Uh, anyway, so you got that. And then this, in a related story, and this is from the New York Times. Nike and Coca-Cola... Uh, I'll just read business groups and major companies like Apple have been pressing Congress to alter legislation, cracking down on imports of goods made with forced labor from persecuted uh, Muslim minorities in China. Nike and Coca-Cola also among major companies trying to get Congress to weaken an anti-slave labor bill. Oh, oh, my God. Oh, boy. Is there more to that? Because uh, we're out of time because that's incredible. Oh, yeah. There's a fair amount of detail. Okay, and I got the hey boss. I understand that they're slaves, but we're making lots of money. And hey bosses, does compensation make people work harder? A new MIT yes. study that it's <laughs> <laughs> Michael. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, we got all that stuff on the way, so uh, stay tuned. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. They're calling it these things monoliths. I don't know why. They're big steel things. Anything that's like one tower. Is a monolith. I get it, but I never hear anybody else call anything that. Anyway, this big steel thing showed up in uh, Utah the other day, just showed up out of nowhere, disappeared out of nowhere, and now one has shown up in Romania, mm. if you've seen the video. So is this it, is some marketing campaign, oh, then, right? Oh, absolutely. Okay. It, it's going to end up being a, uh, a Wi-Fi tower you put in your house. Space wow. Odyssey is making a return to Netflix or something. I don't okay. know. Straight like, to cynicism. I thought maybe it was some fantastic visit from another civilization. <laughs> it's either that or the aliens have started partnering with Dracula and we're all doomed. <laughs> well, yeah, it's more likely. Uh, yeah, that's the new device from uh, Amazon to replace the, the uh, Echo or whatever the heck it is. <laughs> oh, actually, I've, I've got some stuff on some of the new gadgets out. Oh, cool. Um, that we could do at some point. I'll tell you what, they're making a huge leap forward in the, the like little speaker thing like the uh the amazon echo or the uh, whatever all speakers. those different. yeah the smart speakers they're getting better and better which is cool if you better like music. at what oh for the music. sound of music yeah oh i can't even imagine getting better i bought one for my wife a couple of years ago it's like the size of a coaster or something like that and it sounds better than the stereo i had when i was a kid that i spent all my lawn mowing money on i mean i spent a lot Please. of money on a hot you, on a, you, you it, might as well be deaf. The, that, the new ones make that sound like a mosquito in your ear. Wow. That's, <laughs> That's impressive. A little hyperbolic. But uh, anyway, we'll get to that eventually. There are some cool looking gadgets out there. So uh, speaking of business, the business of America is business. Business groups and major companies like Apple, Coca-Cola, and Nike, among major companies and business groups lobbying Congress to weaken a bill that would ban imported goods made with forced labor in China's Xinjiang region. 
according to congressional staff members who are getting the angry phone calls. Now, <laughs> do they think... ha- do they have any weird reasoning where they can try to stretch that they're helping these enslaved people by buying their products? Not really. I will tell you this, though. The bill passed by a margin of 406 to 3 in the House in September. Okay? It's, it, it's, not, it's anti-slavery. The slave labor of the uh, Uyghur uh, forced, uh, you know, uh, detention camps. But the legislation has become the target of multinational companies like the ones we mentioned, as well as business groups like the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. They've tried to water down its provisions. They say, of course, we strongly condemn forced labor, even as we use it sometimes. And we condemn the atrocities in Xinjiang. But the acts requirements could wreak havoc on supply chains that are deeply embedded in China. Xinjiang produces vast amounts of raw materials like cotton. So you've you got, got slaves picking cotton you have and American companies buying it. You have slaves picking cotton and we're arguing, but the supply chain. Oh what do you, do you know? Where's Lincoln when you need him? I need cheap socks that fall apart after two wears. <laughs> America deserves that. So they crank out cotton, coal, sugar, tomatoes, and polysilicon and supply workers for China's apparel and footwear factories. I'm sure that's satisfying work. Oh, geez. It, you know, if you're if you're a good American factory where they're paying you a wage and, you know, you get vacation time and there's an HR department, I'm not sure making socks all day long would be that fulfilling. Imagine what it's like when you're a slave in China. That's got to be a sucky job. you got to pay them more, according to a study you're going to bring us in a couple of minutes. I am. In a report issued last March, the Congressional Executive Commission on China, which is bipartisan, listed Nike and Coca-Cola as companies suspected of ties to forced labor in Xinjiang, alongside Adidas, Calvin Klein, the Campbell Soup Company, that's got to be the tomatoes, Costco, H&M, Patagonia, Tommy Hilfiger, and others. In a statement, uh, Coca-Cola says essentially, oh, no, 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 are you? Absolutely not. Nike uh, said, we're not lobbying against it. What are you talking about? We just just want uh, more sensible legislation. So we'll see how this plays out. I mean, it's entirely possible Congress, who has only the barest understanding of how business actually works, overreached and maybe passed something overly broad. But I could also believe with trillions of dollars at stake, certain CEOs of certain companies are a little soft on slavery. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Humankind does not change. Soft on slavery around here, wouldn't you say, Michael? Huh? What? Putting the lash to us. I'm not going to respond. <laughs> Talk, they say. Whack. Um, we got this text. Retired, uh, but way too late in life, I discovered the Armstrong and Getty show on 1190KEX in Portland. Welcome, sir. Listener. Yes, or welcome. madam. Portland, or as I call it, Moscow West, says this uh, Portlandian. Appropriate. I don't use Twitter or Facebook. Is this the only way to communicate with you guys, or do you also accept emails or phone calls uh, outside your show hours? Well, we accept emails at mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. That's Joe, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Joe takes calls outside of show hours. <laughs> Actually, Jack, me and Jack's phone female. number follows. Ready? Here it is. <laughs> Joe would love to take a call at home. Yeah. <laughs> FaceTime him if, if you want. He, he's got the Apple phone. So. Oh, boy. Why is he on the golf course? He'll FaceTime you back. <laughs> Abs, I'd be delighted to. <laughs> Fellas, I'll catch up later. It's a listener. <laughs> I can't now. There's a listener on the phone. <laughs> that's funny. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, though, no, sir. no, that's cool. Or madam. That is very, very cool. 
I uh, yeah. I often wonder if you just uh, stumble upon this show out of nowhere, how it uh, how it strikes you. Well, it's a little odd, frankly, and we know it, but that's okay. You get used to it. And a fair number of inside jokes, so I always wonder about that. Here's a study out of MIT. We should do better on that. We should do better on that. We will although, do better on Although that. one of my favorite things listening to radio shows, which is how I ended up in the radio business, was listening to the radio shows and being in love with it, was hearing the inside jokes. And no, I know what that means. There was some connection there. Oh, yeah. I didn't say we should eliminate that it. That I freaking just, uh... loved. And I always wondered to myself, how does that work for the people who don't get the inside joke? You got to stick mm. with it. I guess. Yeah. Um. So this is uh, from MIT, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, one of the smartest colleges in, a, in the world. I've heard of it. Good at the maths there, right? Yeah. Uh, they're analyzing how compensation impacts intrinsic motivation for various tasks. Intrinsic motivation? I don't think I have that. Traditional economic models posit that paying a mouse to eat a cookie will increase the reward from cookie eating Encouraging the mouse to eat more cookies. Oh, we don't actually use currency, so I don't know what good that's going to do. What are you paying the mice with? <laughs> what is their understanding of the barter and trade system they are engaged in? But um, oh, you give them a reward. But, right. psych- but psychologists offer a compelling counterargument that paying a mouse to eat cookies will crowd out the mouse's intrinsic pleasure from such consumption, reducing the likelihood that the mouse will want to eat cookies in the future, absent compensation. I have several problems with this study. I mean, whose job is as joyful as eating a cookie? If you give a mouse a cookie, he's going to want a glass of milk. Right. That was a good book. It is a good book. It's yeah. charming. Uh, yeah, I don't... It, um, so if... I guess it's the argument that if somebody starts to pay you for doing something, you get less joy out of it? The the closest example I can think of from my own life is once you've played poker for any sort of money, playing poker for for free is pointless. And I have no desire or interest in anything. That is interesting. I didn't Hmm. know that. But that probably fits into this study. Yeah. Like if I'm trying to teach my, you know, 12-year-old nephew how to play poker or whatever, and we're just playing for funny money, the the joy that I get from playing it is not there. Huh. Now, so uh, extending it to the workplace, though, uh, as a boss. So I was trying to figure out what this meant um, or trying to think of examples. Like, so if you've got somebody that, like, does extra tasks at job they weren't specifically asked to do it but they do it just to try to be a good employee mm-hmm. you know i bring in the newspapers or something like that sure um and then you and they just do that and they feel like you know they get they get some sort of internal reward for like i'm a good employee and i'm just i'm part of the team and i'm helping people then if you start paying them to do it it takes away that it replaces the intrinsic joy with compensation chasing. And then if you don't pay them to do that, they won't do it anymore. Ah, yeah. Well, that's right. I'm known to tidy up around the kitchen at work a little bit. Um, if if I start getting paid 25 bucks a week for doing that and then they took it away. You know, that's true. Would you I stop? stop you taking, would. I would. Uh, heck, I would I'd probably it up. I'd throw stuff around. <laughs> urinate I'd on be, the floor. I'd be up on the counter urinating. Exactly. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. 
That's a picture. I'd be like the Swedish chef from the Muppets in there, just tossing stuff in the air as I make make various uh, treats. Does that All make right. any sense to any bosses listening? Yeah, but I, or not, hmm. does that do anything for crafting so don't pay them in the first place? I mean, what kind of <laughs> message is that? Well, that's what they're trying in China, Jack. <laughs> Circling back to that story. <laughs> no, but uh, I don't know. I think they're, they're, I think this may be asking a more subtle point than, than we realize. Because if you go to somebody and say you're doing a terrific job and we value you around here, here's a raise. You can't tell me that that makes them work less or be less inspired or enthusiastic or anything. Right, and you're never going to take it I wonder if it it's a narrower point than I realize. I, I comprehend. Don't, I, don't I, don't know. Know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Hiring a bunch of mice around here. If I see a mouse, I smash it with a shovel. I mean, oh, mice, mice are gross. Oh, they're gross. They spread disease. Okay, but that was that was a sudden turn to, toward the macabre and the, the, the violence. Shovel on you in the scenario. What do you do? Put them to sleep? Have a ceremony? I trap them and relocate them. Uh, you rehome them. <laughs> I rehome them. <laughs> I I bought forty acres. I have a mouse farm outside the city. <laughs> mouse rescue. A mouse rescue and and people who catch mice, I they rehome them at my mouse farm. It's just outside Portland. I have a mouse rescue. <laughs> See, that uh, that math works. And yep. if I if I make enough money, I'm gonna I'm gonna expand it to spiders and uh, various other things that people don't want in their homes. We're staffed by a bunch of kind, gentle Antifa members who tend to the mice and comb their fur, <laughs> to feed them cheese, and then smash old people in the face for being white. And we never take away the mouse's compensation. Once That's they get compensation, <laughs> it's for life. And it's a $15 minimum wage, a living wage, <laughs> exactly. for every single mouse. So you can raise a, raise a family of 500 other mice <laughs> on so your living with wage. With dignity and without inequity. <laughs> and we do not use pronouns. <laughs> Always they with the we, mice. Every mouse has its pronouns uh, tied around its tail. <laughs> so we never hurt its feelings. <laughs> oh, boy. And that's probably the logical conclusion of that bit. Uh, <laughs> if you'd like to text us, 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Getty Show. What has happened is we've proven the schools could be extraordinarily safe. I mean, the schools are some of the safest places to be right now in New York City, which is a credit to our educators and our staff and our parents. We know it works, but you have to constantly monitor that testing. Dude, you can't act like that's the mayor of New York. What do you call him? The giant socialist. The uh, the world's largest communist. You can't act like they don't have tape of you saying the opposite a week ago. All right? Of course you can. <laughs> he is. So when de Blasio closed the schools in New York, the biggest school district in America, and all kinds of people howled, even people on the left were like, what are you talking about? There are hardly any cases in the schools at all. Then he comes back and opens the schools back up and then gives that little uh, the, the, the speech yesterday on one of the cable news channels. Uh, we, as we've proven, we can do this safely, and the data shows. What? Did you not look at the data before you closed the schools a week ago, you numb nuts? How do you well, make these sorts of giant decisions so um, uh, haphazardly? You got that story. You got the uh, all the, the liberal media networks and the uh, politicians now saying, yeah, of course you can go back to schools, elementary schools especially, now that the election's over. 
and it's no longer a because Trump's for it, I'm against it thing. Likewise, CNN doing a big uh, series on China mishandling the COVID, which we'll get to again next hour if you haven't, uh, if you get the next hour. If not, grab it via the podcast uh, at armstrongandgetty.com. Speaking of which, I'm supposed to mention that we have a fabulous uh, screaming deal for you at the uh, Armstrong and Getty store at armstrongandgetty.com. Uh, buy one thing, get 20% off another one. And I'm told the champion A&G hoodies are of excellent quality. So crime is up a lot of places, all kinds of crime, murders, uh, assaults, break-ins. It's up lots of places across America. I haven't heard any uh, great explanation for why that is. If we're turning thousands and thousands and thousands of prisoners loose. Yeah, that's one of the... We've decriminalized crime. That's one of the arguments, definitely. I think the mood of the pa- the pandemic has got something to do with it. I, I don't know, making people more angry. and mm. um, But a lot of this has happened before the defunding of police departments kicks in. For instance, in Seattle, where they've got a, a homicide rate that is the highest they've had in over a decade... And, uh, you know, the year is not old over yet. And they're going to reduce the police budget by 18% next year with uh, all kinds of crime, in addition to homicides, skyrocketing. And this experiment is going to be carried out in a variety of places across the country. It'll be fun to watch how it works as long as you don't actually live there. Well, for instance, San Francisco's already topped their 2019 homicide numbers. They have the entire month of December to go. Let me flip over here. I have the numbers on Chicago. Uh, let's see. Chicago's 700th homicide came over the weekend. It saw six people killed and 46 wounded. Where's the march? Where's the Black Lives Matter march? Where is it? I don't know, but this cutting back on policing in some of these places, uh, well, we'll see We'll see what that does to the crime. Like I Wait, said, it's an interesting experiment. Chicago's seen a 53% increase in shootings and in murders this year compared to the same period in 2019. And the number, everybody keeps track of the number of people who die. It would be far higher if Chicago now didn't have the greatest crop of trauma surgeons on earth because you get plenty of chances to practice treating uh, gunshot wounds in Chicago. Absolutely insane. Wow. So you had mentioned uh, you have the list of new gadgets that's available? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm just kind of uh, awestruck by those numbers out of Chicago and I can't stop reading it, but um, you get the point. Yeah, actually, our, our friend Jeffrey Fowler of the Washington Post did a great article the other day on the best gadgets of 2020, which we'll post for you in a couple of minutes at armstrongandgetty.com. You know what I would really like? And I will, I will, not, I will not belabor this. But I would like the stuff I already have to work <laughs> all the time and not just like randomly out of nowhere, not connect or not do what it has done every other time. Just all of a sudden. Listen, old man, go play with your toaster. All right. We're on the cutting edge of technology here. We're reaching forward into the future. It's going to be slightly imperfect. But uh, Jeff talks about the smart speakers. Smart speakers that talk just turned five years old. Really? Yeah. Well, I, I still think of it as a really new thing. But, yeah, my, my son's had his Alexa for, I think he got it three Christmases ago. Yeah, more formally known as the uh, Echo. Uh, Jeff mentions that if you had $100 to spend on the speaker, you'd go to the new Echo 4. Amazon replaced its old tube-shaped Echoes with a plump orb the size of a cantaloupe. Pop music sounds more muscular. 
Wow, his sounds fantastic. We set it outside and cranked that thing up, and it's like you've got a big stereo system playing. It's amazing. And he goes to bed at night uh, in a way that I couldn't even have dreamed of, where he lays down and says, Hey, uh, hey uh, Echo, wake me up for school at 6.30 tomorrow, will you? And mm-hmm. it just sets an alarm and wakes him up. And he does- he, sometimes he tells it what song he wants to wake up to. He does mention the one stinker is uh, Amazon's Echo Dot 4, which took two steps back from Echo Dot 3, he says, in terms of sound quality, mm. which is kind of weird. Oh, uh, Let's see. Uh, he mentions all the different sizes of iPods from, or I'm sorry, iP- iPhones that, that range from, iPod. it's practically. He's an, buying an iPod. <laughs> these new Store iPhones. Store your music. Why? <laughs> That, that range from uh, the size of an iPad to, uh, you know, a, a tiny little deck of cards. Perfect for skinny jeans, which, as you know, Jack, I, I wear all the time. Uh, Jeggings, really. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, Lord. Leaves very little to the imagination. He mentions no, it's all on display, ladies. 4K HD resolution and HDR um, which is a, another technology in TVs is getting more and you know, more affordable. I got the 4K H, H, UHD, whatever it is, and I can tell the difference. I think it's spectacular, but nobody else in my family cares the difference between that and the other stuff. So it's a waste, wasted on them. And the electric bikes, which I'm tempted by, are, are getting uh, smaller. Isn't that a motorcycle? More of, no, not really. It helps you up the hills. Oh, gotcha. Armstrong and Getty.